Hello and welcome to episode 2 of USC's Rhythm and News podcast, where we break down everything in pop culture and entertainment. This is a part of the Daily Trojan Network, USC's official student newspaper. I am your host, Shrika Ramani, and with me is my co-host, Anmol Bajpai. Hey everyone. Hi, yeah, it's Anmol here. Glad to be back. Ooh, okay. So, episode two, guys. We're going to talk about some amazing things. Uh, we have top stories of the week. We have an amazing feature guest student with us. She is an SCA alum, Tiffany Lin. Uh, we're going to discuss our big picture of the week, which is Minari. And, of course, our big idea of the week, which is diversity and inclusivity in Hollywood. Okay, let's get right into it. First up, we have the news of the week. This is the segment where we catch up on what's happening in the world of arts and entertainment. Okay, we have to get into this. If you guys don't know about Meghan Markle and Oprah, then you've been living under a rock because it's all over social media. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Meghan and Harry, sat down with Oprah for a sit-down interview with CBS. It was a tell-all where she spoke about the royal family, all the torment she received after she got married to Harry, from things like racism in the UK media to even racism towards her son, Archie. Uh, While some people were incredibly proud of her, especially as a woman, a woman of color that was standing her ground, and of course, Harry for being that amazing, supportive husband, a lot of people were questioning her credibility and as well as, you know, really upset that she was pulling the royal family down. At the end of the day, I think personally that she is a firestorm. She was amazing in the interview. She called out everything that she had to. um, And she spoke about things like mental health and even going through depression and suicidal tendencies through it all. And honestly, from one woman to another, I could truly sympathize with her. And I think that she's truly my inspiration at this point. What did you think, Anmo? I didn't watch it, but from everything I've read in the news, I think it looks uh, pretty bad on the royal family. I just hope they have a better life here in the States and Canada. That is true. A lot of people in the UK were not happy. Uh, In other news, there's some really cool gaming uh, news that's happening between Xbox and Bethesda Games. Anmol, what's happening? Yeah, um, this last Tuesday, officially Microsoft acquired ZeniMax Media, which is a huge gaming giant. It has a whole umbrella of developers underneath it. It includes id Software, Tango Gameworks, Arcane, Machine Games, and of course, the juggernaut Bethesda, the developer behind Elder Scrolls and Fallout. And the deal officially went through. We first heard about it last year. And there's now 20 Bethesda titles added to Game Pass from Friday. And Phil Spencer made it pretty official that these games from these studios are now going to be Xbox exclusive. PlayStation players are not going to be getting these games. So things like Elder Scrolls, Fallout these almost system sellers games are going to be Xbox games. Uh, I think this changes the landscape completely. Next generation is really going to be an even playing field between Xbox and PlayStation, unlike the dominance that I think PlayStation 4 saw this past generation. And I'm here for it. I think more competition actually equals to better games and better content for everyone. That's very true. I think that's the case for any industry. Uh, where there's a lack of monopoly and there are equal competitors. Ooh, and our third and final news of the week, LA theaters are opening. Finally, some normalcy, hopefully. What's the Anmo? Yeah. Yeah, LA just has been maintaining its red tier. So starting from this week, we're going to be seeing actual theaters open within the LA County. The first one's going to be Burbank, AMC, Century City, AMC, and then also Cinemark's Long Beach 
Theater. The first chains are opening are obviously AMC and Cinemark, but you're going to be seeing Alamo Draft House, Regal in the following re- weeks. And there are rules in place, 25% capacity and all of their safety protocols. But by this weekend, you can safely, hopefully, go to a theater and watch a movie. And I think it's important uh, when it comes to finally releasing big movies like Black Widow or, I don't know, Quiet Place Part 2. So hopefully this is all being done safely and we can maintain it. Oh, my God. I'm really hoping that, hoping that you know, this means that we get to go and watch film like we used to. I'm so tired of watching it at home. Uh, and when it comes to like really big films, it's the experience at the end of the day. And I'm glad this is happening. Okay, guys, that was the news of the week. All right, everyone, it's time for our feature artist. This is a segment where we like to highlight a USC student who is also an aspiring creator. We'll talk about their personal project so far and what's next for them. This week, we got Tiffany Lin, and we're lucky to have her. She's a USC alum, and she's a brilliant filmmaker. Carrie Fisher is Dead is her new animated short, and it just won the jury award at the USC Asian Pacific Film Festival. I got a chance to see it. It was amazing. Tiffany, how are you today? Oh, thanks, Anwal. It's lovely to be here chatting with you guys. It's lovely to have you. Why don't you <laughs> introduce yourself a little bit to us? Give us a bit of a taste of the things you've been a part of. Yeah. Um, so my name is Tiffany Lin, and I am a 2020 graduate of the SCA uh, film production program. Um, also minored in animation, so I've done a lot of both uh, throughout my years at USC. Um, recently, as Arnold mentioned, um, I completed my animation thesis short called Carrie Fisher is Dead, uh, which is not as morbid as it sounds, but it's about a little boy who gets a goldfish named Carrie Fisher, uh, and she dies. Um, so that's been really exciting to get out into the world. Um, I also wrote one of the, uh, film production senior capstone projects, uh, from fall 2019 called Sunshine Room. Um, that I production designed as well. Um, and that was a semi-finalist for the Student Academy Awards last year, which was very cool. Um, yeah, and just working on a lot of um, other little projects here and there. Um, yeah, and currently I am out in the world uh, working as an animation production coordinator. So, yeah. That's amazing. Um, you said you were working as an animation production coordinator, right? Tell us a little bit about what life's like outside of SEA, outside of USC. You've been pushed into the real world. How was it getting into all of that? How did you do it for all our listeners that are, you know, planning to to get into the same field as you as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, graduating last year when I did was definitely really, really difficult because we're just kind of being pushed out into an industry that was just shut down. Um, so for the first few months after graduation, um, I was kind of just freelancing on a few projects here and there. Um, but one really great thing about, uh, animation is that it's all very, um, uh, animation is all really well adapted to being worked on remotely. Um, so even though it was my minor in school, ended up being a lot of what I have been doing, um, after graduating. And I actually applied for the current job I have right now um, back in August. It was just like a LinkedIn post because like I was kind of going through that like post-grad, like submit my resume like everywhere. Um, And I actually got a reply back from this listing and uh, it turned out to be for some 2D animation on the new Space Jam movie, uh, which has been very cool. 
Um, so that's just basically been my life for the past eight months. Congratulations. Um, like, don't go. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Congratulations. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I was looking through your work and you're just talking about animation and I have to say I saw your sequential art that was called um hello can you hear me and I loved it I it's on your website I think people should check it out that and Carrie Fisher's dead I think they're like about I felt like they're about this grief sadness I feel like we're all feeling this kind of loneliness and I was wondering as a personal um creator are you intentionally making that a part of your art moving forward? Yeah, I think um, with with both uh, pieces that you just talked about, um, both Carrie Fisher and um, the comic that I made, Hello, Can You Hear Me? Um, I think both were kind of born out of periods of, of mourning, if, if you will. Um, Carrie Fisher was kind of, it was actually written um, in back in 2018, um, a few months after my grandfather had passed away, and I was trying to kind of figure out a way um, to kind of like process that um, because it is the film is sort of about um, things that you want to say to someone but don't have the chance because they're gone um, and then with uh, hello can you hear me um, that one was written it was actually my writing 340 final <laughs> um, so I wrote it like in the heart of the pandemic basically like right right at the very beginning and I think at that point I was just feeling a lot of um, a lot of doubt, a lot of like despair, kind of just looking at my future. <laughs> it, stuff, stuff is pretty bleak, still pretty bleak now, but a little better. Um, I think those are kind of themes that uh, have echoed through a lot of my work. Um, even in the short that I wrote as well um, for the thesis or the film production thesis project, um, Sunshine Room, that one's actually about um, this world where people's uh, people can upload um their loved ones like consciousnesses basically into the system and it kind of like brings them back as these very hyper realistic holograms um and i think that grief for me like is it, it's a, like a lot of it's a source for a lot of inspiration i think um especially just because like as a young person i feel like often like death is something that you begin to really be conscious of as you start to grow up um, and just feeling that loss and we all need to deal with it in some way so this is my way <laughs> oh man I, I love that I love everything that you said about that that like strung so well with me because I recently lost someone that that I truly loved as well and I think that your animations was they're so cute but they talk so much about grief in such a beautiful way um, when it comes to these cathartic experiences when did you realize that art was your form of therapy um, what age were you how did you realize that this was the field that you wanted to get into and, and how has it helped you yeah, I think that, um, I guess there's like two parts to this. I guess when I first um, realized that I wanted to go into like art and like filmmaking, that was sort of, um, I think in like freshman year of high school, um, I had taken this kind of like summer course uh, in advertising kind of at a local college. And part of our assignments was just to make these like one minute videos. And I found that I really, really loved that iterative process. Um, and I just kind of like fell into it more and more. Um, and I think as far as like the themes of catharsis and like finding that through art, um, I think that's been kind of like a more recent development. I've found kind of as I've been honing my own creative voice, like the stories that I'm drawn to really do have 
kind of that emotional arc that like closes like so perfectly. Um, I think that when I'm watching things, um, like if I can just like at the end, just have a good deep cry, like that's really what I'm looking for. Like, <laughs> I just want to feel cleansed, you know? Um, and it's like, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't have to be like a sad cry either. Like sometimes like my favorite moments of when I've cried in movies have been at like very, very happy moments, like when everything comes together and there's just kind of this outpouring of love. Um, I think, well, going back to last week's episode, WandaVision, uh, that most quoted line, uh, what is grief if not love persevering? Um, I think that kind of like perfectly encapsulates like the catharsis that I really enjoy finding in stories. Tiffany, don't bring that up. You're going to make me cry <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> well, um, I guess to kind of like push forward to the future, what kind of projects do you want to be a part of moving forward then as an artist? What What do you hope to create? coming like in the near future as you're a full adult now you're out of usc at sca what do you want to do yeah that's crazy i've i've been out in the industry for like what eight months <laughs> um yeah no but i think um like as a filmmaker like as an artist um i'm really interested in finding like different perspectives uh different modes of storytelling um i've always been very drawn to kind of doing what's not the mainstream um that certainly was the case like we're just choosing this path because i grew up in silicon valley um and as we all know not super like art focused there so um that's kind of where like my interest in this field was born from and i'm always looking to see like what kinds of stories haven't been told and um or seeing like what kind of stories um we haven't seen perspectives from yet um, so in kind of looking at the next projects I'm doing, um, that's definitely something I keep in mind. So right now, um, I have like a few things, uh, in development. Um, I'm like working on some different scripts, um, screenplays, like, um, I wrote a pilot of the short film that I wrote, um, Sunshine Room. Um, I also have a feature kind of based on, uh, my experiences growing up in Silicon Valley. Uh, but I'm currently also working on a short film um, that is a succulent heist movie. So haven't seen a lot of those yet. So I'm hoping to make that uh, a new genre, I guess. Super cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Succulent yeah. heist movie. I feel like that should be a genre everyone should make. Absolutely. It's awesome. Yeah. I can't wait. Well, I think that wraps up our feature artist section, but don't worry, guys. Tiffany's going to stick around to discuss our main topic and big picture this week. Ah, Tiffany, I'm in love with you. Uh, moving on to our next segment, we have Radio Intermission. This is a new segment we've added where we feature a new song from a USC music artist. This week, we've got an amazing number by USC sophomore Tuan Le. He's a computer science and business major, who came to the States from Vietnam when he was in high school, and he's paving a new path into the world of music. He has great aspirations to become a musician, and in doing so, he's come up with his latest song called RN, a little piece he wrote to describe that rush you feel when you start a new relationship, a feeling he says he's longed for ever since the start of the pandemic. Here's RN by Tuan Le. We got this 
can people find more songs from Tuan Lei? If you love that song and you want to listen to more, you can check out more of his songs on Spotify by searching up Tuan Lei and also follow his work on his Instagram at LeTuanLeLe. Alright guys, it's time for our big picture. This is a weekly segment where we pick out one main topic in the world of entertainment and we break it down and look for the bigger picture of what it all means. With our guest, this week we have Tiffany Lin and we're going to be talking about Minari a brand new film that's been dominating the film discussion so far and the award circuit. It's a South Korean immigrant family who's trying to make it in rural America in the 1980s. It's an American dream from an immigrant point of view, directed by Lee Isaac Chung and starring Steven Yeun. I got a chance to see this movie and so did Tiffany. Shrika, you're the one who hasn't seen this yet, right? Yeah, because it's not available in India yet and I have no way to get it. I tried to do the whole VPN thing, but then it did not work. But yeah, I hope to watch it soon when it releases here. But what did you guys think of this film? I mean, it's in the talks for so long and I hear it's amazing. What did y'all think? Yeah, I mean, this movie, I think, is such a wonderful depiction of kind of the immigrant experience um, and the Asian American experience. Um, everything it does is just done so effortlessly, um, whether it's like in the craft and the storytelling. Um, I really loved it. I watched it twice. Yeah, I, I have to completely agree. Um, I'm also an immigrant here, um, as well as um, the, I guess, characters in the story. And I related so much to the experiences in the film, like down to small things like the relationship with the kid and the grandma. Like I have a grandma who's very similar and the feeling of wanting something else in place of your family instead of what you have as a kid growing up, um, living in that cultural clash and just a heartbreaking look at what the American dream really means for us immigrants. I thought it was done really, really well. Oh, that's amazing. I love that you guys had like personal reactions to it. I mean, honestly, as an international student being displaced into another country is is already scary as you are as a grown up. But thinking about it as like young kids moving all the way there where you don't have a way to navigate. I mean, how was the experience for you guys like personally? How did it speak to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, as a, a child of um, Taiwanese immigrants, um, I can definitely relate to a lot of the experiences and themes. Um, as Anwal uh, mentioned earlier, kind of like, for example, the relationship with the grandmother, um, that's something that really reflects a lot of my experiences too, because my grandmother also uh, moved to the States uh, when I was around five. So I guess like the same age as uh, Alan Kim, one of the wonderful stars in the movie. Um, as his grandmother also does in this movie. Um, and I think it really captures kind of 
um, the tension that uh, a lot of like people who come to America face um, in kind of assimilating uh, and trying to preserve your own cultural traditions at the same time. Yeah, and I also think it what it does is it captures like the interpersonal family relationships that come out of such an experience. Um, it's it's common for a dad to be like this kind of way or a mom to be like this kind of way. And you kind of see that. Um, it, it was so specific to me, like even sharing my room with my grandma or the grandma playing cards with the kid. This is a spoiler-free discussion, but um, just like small things like that uh, were so specific and things I did that I thought the movie was just, it was like beautiful and authentic. I love that. Oh my God. I mean, Knowing that film has a personal impact on you is what makes film so amazing. Um, it's what film is here for. And, and I can't wait to watch the film. But I hear there's some Golden Globes related issues that happened recently. I don't know. Anmol was telling me something about it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if you guys don't know, in the Golden Globes, which already happened, there was a bit of a controversy in the labeling of this film in the foreign language film category. Um and there's also been a controversy in the past couple of years where the Oscars had to change their label for foreign language film to international film. And by the way, Minari is not an international film. It's it's made by American companies. It's It has a lot of uh, foreign language in it, but it's not a foreign film. So I guess um, it brings the question, what is the distinction between a foreign language feature and an international feature? And is it an important one? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely interesting to see like how they're classifying all this stuff. Because uh, like, I remember for Inglourious Bastards, like that movie is, a lot of it is also in foreign languages. It's like Italian, German, French, all of that. And yet it was classified kind of in that uh, normal drama category. Um, and for Minari and as well as the farewell last year, um, I think within the Golden Globes, like because of it having that foreign language category, um, even though these are like very American stories, like Minari literally takes place in Kansas, um, it kind of further reinforces this othering of like Asian, uh, Asian Americans, um, within the society and, um, yeah, the Golden Globe just, Globe just really needs to, to get with it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another aspect of this is, you know, you're talking about the Asian experience. And I think that's the case for any immigrant that comes to the United mm-hmm. States. The beauty about the States is that it's an immigrant for a country. You know, it, it isn't just one culture. And once you talk about foreign language, you immediately disassociate those languages from the United States. So what is not a foreign language? English? Doesn't that, you know, talk back to, to how we treat immigrants or how we treat people that speak another language? Because everyone here, you know, you talk about the melting pot. Then I think these these films that are being made about the American experience, irrespective of what language it's being made in, it, sh- it should also be an American film. It should also be an American language film, you know. And and I just really hope that, that films like these are recognized because then, you know, the Hollywood industry in general is such an amazing platform for stories uh, for regional stories to truly be uh, lit up. And I think once you start recognizing them as one of your own, that's when you truly give them a platform. That's when Hollywood can truly move further. Yeah, I think Tiffany's right in that it just centers that white American perspective, makes every, everyone else the other. What does it mean to be American and not American? Who's American? Is speaking a foreign language make you foreign? Like, does that not make you American if you've been living here for generations? So... 
those are important questions, I think, for everyone to ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, here's the thing, like, I remember uh, in class at USC, actually, um, we were talking about kind of um, how like a lot of demographics, um, just like around the country are just changing a lot. And I think like, I forget what year it was, but I remember uh, we were discussing how basically like there will be eventually a point when um, the majority of the people in this country are from so-called minorities. So like, what does that mean? Like, is most of this country just not American? Um, so it's just like, yeah, it's like times are changing and the Hollywood Foreign Press Association um, really needs to have a lot more transparency in how they are going to adapt with the time as well. Yeah, but you know, you're talking about the industry in general, and I think you've entered the industry, right? Um, how do you see yourself questioning, or maybe not questioning, but placing your culture uh, and your identity as a key aspect when you work in the industry? Because I mean, including myself, I think every time I think about my identity and the fact that I'm a person of color, it does come into conversation in terms of the opportunities I'm going to get or in terms of, you know, where I'm standing in the industry or the types of filmmaking. Has that affected you in any way as you enter the industry today? Um, I think looking at kind of these questions of identity and culture, um, yeah, just like being a person of color, like I think that no matter what, like it becomes something that you just have to be aware of no matter like how much uh, you try to like, kind of I don't know like dis- dissociate that from your storytelling because like no matter what it's like it's still a story that you are telling and so by that nature um it would have to kind of grapple with that um I think for myself um as a writer um I always am very conscious of what what I'm writing like what kinds of stories are being told like what perspective it is um, as well as just being conscious of the fact that um, because like this is the very first step of like any um, any sort of like media, whether it's like film, TV, like it's like you always start from the screenplay um, or in, in the best case. <laughs> um, but when you are starting from that beginning point, you should be really conscious of the opportunities that you are creating for other people, um, because as a writer, you're yeah, you're deciding like which characters get to be heard, you know, like which perspectives um, are we going to be looking through? Um, and so just being really aware of that. Um, and I think the industry is getting better uh, from what I can see. Um, I think there's a lot of more um, like, uh, I think that there's a lot of more risky storytelling, quote unquote, that's uh, being put out, especially by kind of these smaller streamers for example, there is a show on Netflix. Um, it's an animated kids show called City of Ghosts. Um, and it's like, it's just like six episodes, like 20 minutes, like pretty small series. But I think um, that, I think that series is just really, really interesting because it takes a lot of um, these perspectives from different uh, neighborhoods um, in LA and really making sure that uh, the city is like fully represented on screen, whether that means um, it's having uh, people from the community in Lyric Park or having um, actual members of the Tongva community talking about um, the land. Um, and I think that because of the streaming platforms and kind of this demand for more content, there's more room for people to be um, getting that platform to tell their stories. Yeah, I just hope like films like Roma, Parasite, every year we've seen a film that's either actually an international film or 
almost completely spoken in a foreign language dominate the film discussion. And if that continues and hopefully translates more to genre films, because I think that's really where the a lot of the impact's done, like Black Panther, that will that would be I think that's what Hollywood needs to do next. Yeah, it's really just all about imagining what other kinds of roles that um, any of these like people within the marginalized groups can play. Like we're not just our identities, we're also human beings. Um, we have wants, we have needs, we have fears. Um, I think just like really exploring like inner the rich inner lives of like different kinds of people. Um, I think is what's going to be really important in storytelling going forward and just making sure that like people are dimensional, like they're not just reduced to just being like the black person or like the person in the wheelchair or something like that. Like they have personalities too and are interesting and should be explored. When in in your experiences as well, how have you all seen USC truly uh, help you nourish that, that idea of yourself, especially through the way of its art, through the way of its support uh, and through the student body in general? Yeah, I think um, looking back as an alum, um, I think I really appreciate um, sort of how broad USC um, made me look at the world. Um, I think that uh, I really met a lot of different people there who I learned a lot from um, in kind of just like expanding um, how I looked at uh, other people as well as myself and just kind of processing um what those experiences look like um and i think that like the beauty of usc is again like it's it's so huge like there really is something here for everyone i think um if you can find it um and like i think as as an institution there are like its own issues and um some like cultural things that i think still need to be examined um yeah but i think in general, like my experiences here with other students, especially, um, has been a pretty positive one. And just like kind of being able to meet a lot of people that I had not been able to come into contact, like growing up, growing up in Silicon Valley, I think it was definitely a big bubble. Um, because it's like, it's like the suburbs, like you don't really have a lot of contact with, um, people outside of it. Uh, and so really being able to be in LA where there is like, there's just massive um, like differences uh, in a lot of the population, like big inequality and just being able to see both sides of that, I think really opens your eyes um, to what kind of issues like the world is facing. Uh, my last and final pose for this discussion. We're all in this industry uh, and we're all trying to make a difference here. Uh, for me personally, when it comes to how I would like to bring inclusivity in the industry is that eventually when my dreams of becoming a producer do uh, happen, I really hope to, you know, shine light on some of the international films, um, some of the regional films, um, because I consume it so much. It's so much a part of my identity. Um, for you both as well, how would you all, you know, try to bring in inclusivity eventually? Where do you guys see that lacking in the industry? And, you know, how... how where can we all do better? Yeah, so again, like coming to this as a writer, I think I really take, I really want to take that responsibility of making sure that I create opportunities for other people um, to really shine, you know, like I really want to make sure that I'm writing characters um, who are dimensional, who have actual personalities um, and are like really interesting roles for actors to play because I think that's like another big 
thing uh, within like representation is just um, giving people the opportunity to be cast in these roles and like being conscious of like who's being chosen um, to actually be seen on screen. Um, and so, yeah, I think like a lot of it comes down to kind of writing. And then at the same time, um, there is like the gatekeeping aspect of it where like the executives who choose like what gets made and what does it um, is also like a big thing. Um, but I think like it, it is sort of like for me, I look at as like I look at it as a personal responsibility. Like we're all kind of trying to do our best in whatever way to um, really make sure that the industry is more inclusive and represents uh, all of our communities a lot better. Um, yeah, because it is such a collaborative media, medium. Um, and I think that um, as long as like people can be really conscious of it and like actively thinking about how we can make things better, um, I think that's like the first step. Ooh, that concludes our big picture of the week. Tiffany, thank you so, so much for being here. Such a pleasure talking to you. Such a pleasure getting to know you and, and just the way you think and the way you are. I'm so yeah. glad to be talking Thanks to you Thanks for today. listening thank to you. all my hot takes. Very hot. Um. Very hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we, we love talking to you, Tiffany. That was awesome. All of your work's amazing, and we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. It's a pleasure. All right, guys, before we wrap up, we like to do our recap segment where we talk about what we've been reading, watching, listening this week, giving you some recommendations. Shrika, what have you been up to? Okay, so I haven't been watching anything this week because it's midterm week, but I do have a recommendation for everyone to watch. So if you're really trying to get into the OTT space of international content, I'd suggest you watch the Indian show Sacred Games. Uh, it revolutionized the way that we watch content. Um, it took the OTT platform by storm. Um, it's really about the world of like, you know, police and gangsters and, you know, the underworld of, of Bombay. Uh, it's an amazing film. I mean, it's an amazing uh, show and it, it has amazing directors, Anurag Kashyap and Vikramaditya Motwani, who are just amazing. If you really want to get into good Indian culture, good Indian OTT, this is where you start for sure. What about you, Anmo? I've actually been meaning to get into that. Um, Anurag Kashyap is a great Indian director for you guys who don't know, but it's on Netflix, so you guys can easily access that show. I've, um, I watched Sonic the Hedgehog, so mine's like a bit on the other... Hey. <laughs> on the other side of the spectrum and i honestly did not expect it to be good um i played sonic as a kid but it didn't look like a good movie but i have to be honest it was um pleasant surprise it had some cringe moments but overall i would recommend it it's uh it's a pretty fun time it's like a 2000s and 90s movie in the best and worst ways it's like so of that era but I think it's a good throwback. I'm glad. I was quite concerned when they decided to make the f make it into a film. But okay, I'll give it a shot. I'll listen to you this time. All right. And that wraps it up for this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Unmol, any final thoughts? Thanks tuning in, guys. Uh, we hope this was a good episode for you. And remember to tune in uh, for next week. We're going to be talking about all about Oscar nominations, snubs, surprises, whole COVID situation and we have a guest on again Lana Wynn she's a USC SCA senior about to graduate a filmmaker who just made one of the 480s the senior theses of this year so she did that all during quarantine we're going to talk all about that and Oscars so make sure to tune in 
Yes, thank you guys so much for being here. We're so glad that you guys can join us. We hope that this podcast brought you some joy. Thank you. Tune in for next week. Bye. Bye.